So we all know the Suns miss Chris Paul. We all know they are struggling without him. That's been said a million times. But how can they overcome that absence? Because it's not going away anytime soon. Damon Allred of Bright Side of the Sun is here to break it down. How the Suns can make up for Chris Paul's absence. Coming up on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a contributor at Suns.com, as well as Die Magazine, and a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen each and every day. Look, I know it's hard to get out of bed and, and talk and think about the Suns after two losses, but we are all here. We are all here to not panic together, so I appreciate all of you guys listening, keeping our YouTube channel growing, keeping our podcast numbers Actually, February was the highest non-NBA Finals or NBA Playoffs month in the history of this podcast, even though it only has 28 days, so I appreciate you guys immensely. But let's dive right into today's show. We have a lot to get to, Damon. All red of Bright Side of the Sun is back. It has been far too long since he was here, and we're going to talk about, as I said at the top, what the Suns can do to overcome the absence of Chris Paul. We don't know how long he will be out. We don't really know the specifics of his rehab process. It's far too early for any of that, but Damon... Question number one off the top is how much of the loss to Utah and to New Orleans, I mean, these back-to-back losses, do you attribute to Chris Paul not being there? How much of it do you attribute to other stuff? Because the two things I talked about on the recap show yesterday were not having um, like a go-to type of, of shot late in the game, like not having that, that mid-range pull-up that Chris has mastered is really hurting them, and I completely forgot the other thing, so I'll let you speak and I can gather my thoughts because I've been talking for far too long. How much do you blame it on, on Paul's absence that they've lost these games? Um, A good bit, but not like the, it's not like 60 or 70 percent of the reason why. Um, you and I were just talking about before we started recording that um, the Utah game was a bit of a bit of a mixed bag as far as a lot of the possessions Utah was just working harder than the Suns were and so I feel like that that's something that can still happen without Chris Paul is you can still bring the effort you can still um, work to run back on defense that sort of thing I know that people don't love to hear that that claim but I don't know it's important when the other team is doing it every time down and you're not like it makes a big difference sure yeah it does I think it's also uncharacteristic of the Jazz. I mean, I'm not saying they, they don't ever play hard, but I just I don't think that I can remember last season or this season there being a lot of that when these teams face off. Like, especially DeAndre Ayton, kind of, to me at least, losing that matchup to Gobert the way that he did, allowing Gobert to grab seven offensive rebounds, allowing um, Gobert to get to the free throw line, draw fouls when he was at the rim, attempting putbacks and, and you know, in close types of shots. All that stuff was a surprise to me. I think normally Aiton really plays up to that matchup. He didn't do that. So um, I I don't think it was all Chris uh, being gone that, that hurt them. But at the same time, I, I think it's also hard to separate like some of those other things that might be happening from just whatever gets discombobulated from your best player being gone. Like I think there's stuff that we just don't really see right now that is 
challenging. Um, it's challenging this team to execute. So we're going to talk about the rotation. We'll talk about the way that the Suns are orchestrating the offense and this this point book lineup, Cameron Payne's return. But when I just kind of put it to you that way, like what do you think is the single biggest thing that the Suns lose when they don't have Paul on the floor? And that, and that could have even been the case before he got hurt when he was just on the bench. But what's what's left when he's not there? Yeah, I think it's the sense of stability. Um, he just brings such like the you know decade plus 16, 17, however many seasons it's been of just I've been here before, I've commanded a team before, and there's not really another point guard, especially when Payne's off the the roster with his injury. Yeah, that um, it's tough not really having a true point guard, and Holiday's not really a true one himself either. The way that the Suns have been using him, so. I think that um, Paul's absence is magnified by Payne's absence. And once Payne is back, it'll be a little bit less bad. But then at the same time, Payne's not a Hall of Fame point guard and Chris is. So you still lose a lot. Yeah. So when it comes to that structure, I don't know how I really, where I really come down on this point book idea, experiment, whatever we want to call it. Um, And it's not even about him or even the fact of how the other wings are playing. It's not even about really who's out there. It, to me, it's more about, it feels like they're making things unnecessarily difficult for themselves on offense. They're playing so, or they're asking players to do things so different than what they had been doing in the past. And I don't even get the impression that that's some sort of magic plan for the future of the season. Like, oh, if Jay Crowder gets comfortable running pick and roll, that'll suddenly be our secret weapon against the Warriors in the <laughs> third round. Like, it just feels like they are handicapping themselves in a, for, for a reason that I can't quite understand. Obviously, you talked about Payne also being out, but Aaron Holiday against the Jazz was questionable heading into the game, and uh, he hasn't been out there at full strength either. So that's part of it. I mean, they, had, they didn't always have an option. Um, but what do you think about why they might've gone to that point book type of starting lineup? And what have you seen from it? You wrote about it a little bit at bright side of the sun today, just how they've made do without Chris out there. Yeah. Um, I think it just comes down to, uh, Monty wants to put the, the five guys out there that he trusts the most. And really when you look at it, you know, Booker's a pretty great distributor, like, I don't know how many two guards out there are better than him if we're not counting James as a two guard, James Harden, I mean. Um, And really, Jay Crowder can handle a lot of the distributing. We've seen a little bit of point Jay here and there, like you've mentioned. Um, It does kind of feel like they they make things up each possession of, oh, okay, Jay's going to bring up the ball this time and he's going to see what's out there. And if not, it'll go back to book and it just feels like they're churning out the same two or three different offensive ideas at times in those lineups. But then you get the possessions at some points when it's like, Oh, a pass to cam, a drive, a pass to Mikhail, a drive, and then a drop off to Aiton for a dunk. And it looks beautiful. And I threw in total or threw in a few of those plays in the article as well, in the video that I uh, included. And I just think that sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's, gonna look a little aimless you know yeah I mean that's what I mean is it's just 
you kind of just described the reason we're doing this podcast, right? Well, the reason we're doing this episode is because, like, if the thing you're saying about your post-Chris Paul plan is, like, sometimes it's going to look aimless, like, I don't know if you have a plan. And again, maybe your plan is wait until campaign gets healthy. I, I said that on yesterday's show, too. Like, I feel that their intention when they, you know, figured out, okay, Chris is not going to be here for the, the rest of the regular season. Let's just assume that. Cam should be back right away to start the second half. So there's our fix. And then when that didn't happen, they sort of had to panic and, and adapt a little bit. I think it's very clear from the fact that despite all of this, Alfred Payton is still not getting any minutes, that that's not an option. Um, if anything, he's a defensive solution. He's not an offensive solution. And even then, defensively, they probably could have used him against Clarkson and Mitchell against the Jazz, and he still didn't come out of hiding. So that's not an option. Holiday's hurt. Whatever. I get it. I understand. But to me, what I think is indicative of what might need to just happen in terms of a mentality switch is that this team, in the first quarters of all three of these games, if I'm remembering correctly, have scored the ball pretty well, and you've seen a lot less structure with Book just kind of playing things by rhythm. Um, you know, maybe a simple pick and roll, maybe just an ISO, maybe one of those quick early actions that the Suns like to run, but maybe not a lot in terms of ball reversal into another action the way that they maybe like to do when Chris and Book are both out there. And just, like, manufacture some points, manufacture some offense that way, push the pace. I know that that's in and of itself also an adjustment, but, like, the uh, the end of the day, you have to change. You're not going to be the way you were with Chris Paul. And I just feel like simplicity and pace might be a better rubric to just make things fit together a little bit easier than trying to kind of do some of the same things but making guys uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm rambling, but I also feel like that that's where I would lean. Yeah, I think when we see the the point book lineup operate at its best, it's when they're getting the getting out and disrupting offense on the defensive end and turning those stops into transition opportunities. And um, really, it just didn't really happen as much against the Jazz. I'm only seeing like six turnovers from the Jazz starters, which is really impressive. And you just have to be better than that on defense if that's how you want to play. And even if it's throwing in some press coverages here and there or throwing in more blitzes and pick and rolls, then that's another way to generate that disruption. But like, I think the the disruption is the only way that that lineup can really succeed over sustained stretches. I think so too. Um, I'm trying to pull up how they've been performing from a defensive standpoint with this group on the floor uh, looks like, yeah, they're allowing 123 points per 100 possessions over 140 possessions with this five. Now, not all of that is just since it became the starting five over the past three games. That group had played together a bit before that, uh, I believe. But nevertheless, uh, that's it's been incredible on offense and very ugly on defense. That needs to get fixed, especially because I think it'll add some, some simplicity to what they want to do. But let's dive in a little bit more to um, the way that these wings are playing, how different players can step up, and of course, we'll get to the campaign of it all as well. First, though, guys, today's show brought to you by BetOnline, betonline.net, new URL, new 
format. They have content as well, and they are your one-stop shop throughout the remainder of the basketball season. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, even where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. They, again, in addition to odds, lines, things to bet on, they also have scores, podcasts, and news on the website to keep you up to date and inform your betting. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source as well for hockey, boxing, and the UFC and beyond. Head to the website today or use their mobile app to learn more about the trends and get in on the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Damon, you again wrote a little bit about the wings specifically uh, during this stretch. You broke down some of the numbers, some of the, the frankly, the positives. Um, to me, the biggest one, without a doubt, is Cameron Johnson. I was, you know, kind of tugging the horn on the bandwagon yesterday to just, if, if we admit that there's going to have to be some players who have the ball in their hands more than they're used to, to me, you have to just go into games saying, you know, we're letting Cam run four or five pick and rolls every single game uh, in the half court. And that's in addition to everything he's already doing. I think he, above anyone else, has earned the opportunity to, to try some more than he's than he's been doing. What do you think? Yeah, Cam's been my favorite part of this stretch. Um, I mentioned in the article that each of the wings have doubled or more their assist totals over this stretch. And Cam's two games of five assists have felt like revelations and really anytime that he's the one operating that's the time that it it feels the most like okay this is something that can work in a post Chris Paul Suns era you know and just like if he's the the second ball handling off or second ball handling option after Booker then I think you're doing okay honestly I I know that they that's not how it's going to play out they're going to get another point guard to fill that hole but I don't think Cam's a bad option at all if he were to be second or third option I feel like you are more psychologically stable than me that you're able to consider and contemplate a post Chris Paul era just so openly just like casually tossing around the idea it's gonna happen eventually (laughs) no I just think if I just think if you don't say it out loud and don't allow yourself to think about it I think it will never happen I'm 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 completely content (laughs) in the camp of this guy will be Tom Brady or whatever we want to he'll be Sue Bird and he'll be here for five more years I'm I'm totally good just pretending that that will happen um you might I mean, have you heard possible. he's vegan I don't know if you know yeah okay I don't Once know if or that, twice. that doesn't factor into your decision making <laughs> that he's vegan I feel like that hasn't gotten enough play so I, I just you know maybe he will play to 50 because he's vegan that's exactly <laughs> it yeah he he goes <laughs> vegan and he has another, what did he, he went vegan after like year 15. So then he has another 15 years. So he'll, yeah, that that's right around 50. I think that seems fair. No, I think to extend upon some of the stuff we were talking about with like the, the simplicity versus, you know, complications and, and whether they rely on some of their old offense with different parts or, or just revert back to something that's a little bit more basic. I think that if you're, Trying to strike a balance between all of those things, obviously campaign will be a part of that, but I think Cam Johnson will um, give you the best the best ability to kind of do a little bit of both where, yeah, you know, he has the trigger and the, the green light, and frankly, it could be even more aggressive to just 
take the first best shot. And like, you know, sometimes a quick pick and roll with him spacing the floor is going to generate a great shot. It's going to be, you know, the, the Nash to Quentin Richardson, seven seconds or less type of stuff. That's just bang, bang, let's go. If, especially if they're playing with pace, but if you do want somebody to continue along and keep the offensive possession rolling, I think, you know, Booker initiates Cam is coming off of a, you know, a Spain pick and roll or some of these different things that they do off the ball. And then he's able to just turn that right into something else. I think that you're, you're starting to cook with uh, some, some nice ingredients there. So that's part of it too. But I also just think like, let him initiate as well take more threes like there's really no limit I, I don't feel like if I was on that coaching staff I would be telling Cameron Johnson no a lot right now yeah and we we talk about in the past we've talked about how offensively he can look a little bit like Paul George and that's his ceiling offensively I think it's a little bit different than that at this point just because there's there's so much like fluidity to his game where I feel like Paul George is more measured so you're about to wait, hold on, hold does. on. Are you about to say that his ceiling better. is higher than Paul George? I'm not saying it's better, just different. Okay. Well then what do you have just for me? What's the comp now? Um I would have to think about it. I, I could give it to you after the next break. How about that? Okay. <laughs> let's uh let's allow you to think about it. I want to talk about campaign because I, I dove in a little bit, but not quite enough. I do think his return, I have a, a little bit of a feeling it could come as soon as Wednesday. Uh, he's been going through pretty significant on-field, on-field, on-court warm-ups, pre-game and things. So uh, they need him, and I think that we could see him soon. So let's dive into that. We'll get we'll get the new and updated higher ceiling than Paul George, Cam Johnson Hall no, of Fame different. take from Damon Allred in just a second. First, though, guys, this episode brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is impossible to walk into, wander into a local chain auto parts store and get what you need heaven forbid a dealership that's not even in the equation so why endure intimidating pointless questioning from somebody behind the counter knowing that they're planning to screw you over completely when you could go to rock auto save time and money when you use rock auto they are a family business they've been serving do-it-yourselfers online for 20 years i mean think about how few online companies there have even been for 20 years and you get an idea of how much they have developed into the go-to in the field and they keep everything reliably low priced and reliably simple for their customers so become one go to rockauto.com right now check out everything you have type in the car that you have scroll down to the part that you need click purchase and it will be at your door within days and when you make that purchase write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right, Damon, I don't have a soundboard. I don't have a sophisticated layout here. I am a, a homemade product here, but I would have all of the fanfare that I could possibly imagine going to triumphantly announce this proclamation on your part. Who is the new and updated comp for Cameron Johnson on, on the Phoenix Suns here? You know, I can't really find a good one, but a little bit along the lines of like the midpoint between like and I'm not saying that this is the level he'll reach. I've made, just... made you second guess yourself. I'm in your head. It's okay. I don't mean he's going to be a superstar, perennial, all-star kind of player. But stylistically, it's like a midpoint between Chris Middleton and Jason Tatum in my brain. So the one that I thought of while I was reading that Rock Auto ad was Joe Johnson. 
How do we feel? Is that reasonable? He's not much of like, I mean, they're arrow wise. They're very, you know, they're going to play differently. Like Joe Johnson was down there in the post. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, a different, different dude. He's a little smaller, but I feel like that's somewhat reasonable without looking at any of their numbers or anything. I don't know. What do you think? Without making you too, or without making you feel too old, I don't really remember Joe Johnson at his peak. Not at his peak. Just because I mean, no, I mostly mean like the role player version. I remember of Joe Brooklyn Joe Johnson. Okay, that's the only Joe Johnson I remember. Well, he was an all star in become... Brooklyn. He scored. He scored was sixteen he? a game. I mean, look, that's the joke. Of the, <laughs> we all know the joke of the all star games with with Joe Johnson. So I'm not going to act like that's like something to hang his hat on, but. Yeah, I mean, look, so that season, 2013-14, that's like his last good, like, you know, above average season. 16 points per game. Do you have it in front of you? Yeah, 16 points per game, 45% from the field, 40% from deep. He had three assists per game, which was actually down for him. Most of his prime, he was like four, five, six assists per game. I'm trying to find his usage rate here. It was, that season, it was 22.3%. And he had a true shooting of 56%. So I think, again, stylistically, they're going to be different. You'd think Cam's efficiency probably is going to be better than that, right? Uh, More threes, better shooter. And more assists. More assists, okay. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. But I get where you're going. Like, with Middleton and Tatum, those guys have the ball in their hands, are more likely to be playmakers for their teams than Johnson really ever was, Um, at least – in the moments that I remember him, um, I was not a, an avid Hawks viewer like you. I'm not going to act like I'm a decade older than you. We are both relatively young. So, okay. <laughs> so somewhere along the spectrum of one Hall of Famer to two likely Hall of Famers and then throw Paul George in there. That's what we have on our hands with Cam Johnson. But let's get to the other Cam. Uh, Cameron Payne, whose, again, return is, is, is likely coming here in the next little bit. Um, what do you think of his season so far? And do you feel like he can get back on track when he returns? So I don't know if you remember this, but when he was first added to the roster, I went back and did a little Twitter thread before I really had a good writing platform about, um, you know, this is who campaign has been in the G league. Here's what you can expect for the Suns, And, you know, if it, projects well then he should be a solid backup because the Suns were really missing a backup point guard at that point um and then he was exactly the player that he showed himself to be there and so I've kind of been leading the campaign hype train this whole time when people have been doubting the the shooting that played out his first couple seasons here I was always the one to stick the flag in the ground and say no this is real you know but he's been awful for a lot of this season and it really kind of makes me sad, almost like a, a disappointed parent. Um, and I just think that a lot of it comes down to calming down and being more of that Chris Paul calming presence. And I wonder if spending this time on the bench next to Chris Paul, I don't know if he sits next to Chris on the bench, but if I can get you know, spending time scoop. with him. Uh, one area where I'm, I have expertise is staring at stuff while I'm at the game. So well, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's been sitting behind Chris Paul. Uh, but they all, I mean, like... So perfect. That is one thing, though, I do have to give credit. Like, I was worried if the injury was too severe or if he did have to get some sort of surgery that Paul wouldn't be able to be at games for a little bit. And that is making a difference. Like, don't 
don't let yourself be be convinced that it's not. So, um, and look, also everything that Payne has been doing indicates that dude is ready to get back on the floor. Like he is jumping up and down on the bench. He is getting drunk and criticizing the Lakers on Twitter spaces. Like he's ready <laughs> awesome. to play basketball again. So I, I completely agree. Like he has every reason in the world to come back more decisive and more, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, efficient. I don't know. Efficient with his decisions, like he he should be kind of seizing that opportunity for sure. And he was at the the Cam Johnson lemonade stand on Monday, so his thirst is quenched even better. He's yes. not going to be tired at all. <laughs> He's got everything he needs. No, I think. Uh, I don't have any reason to feel like he's a dramatically different player. Like there's part of me um, just looking at the career as you were describing it. Maybe you could convince me that there is a bad shooting season ready to go for him. Like it is a little bit uncharacteristic now in 25 games in Chicago in 2017-18, he shot 39% from three. Um, But how many was that total? It was... 91 attempts total so not nothing but then he follows it up with a similar amount of attempts shoots 30 percent like he had never really been a great shooter and then his past two years 52 percent then 44 percent so if you told me he finished this season below average from three that obviously does some damage to his overall efficiency but there were just did you know he has more turnovers this season than he did all of last season really he's played like 200 and something fewer minutes and he has 11 more turnovers so it's just that stuff where it's like you got to play smarter. A um, couple things, though. One, I'm on Cleaning the Glass, and you can go to on-off impact by stat. And so their team shot frequency, which is just how much are they getting to the rim versus mid-range versus threes, whatever. Campaign, when he's out there, the Suns take six percentage points more of their shots at the rim than when he's off of it. And the difference, as you would expect with Paul, is minus 5%. So complete polar opposites, depending on who's out there at point guard. They play, they play together sometimes, of course. But that's an area where I was talking about not having sort of that go-to shot, not having something you can always fall back on. Attacking the rim is that for every team in the NBA. It's the tail as old as time for basketball. So having Payne be able to do that for you, I think, should make a pretty big difference. Um and that's all he really needs. Like, play a little bit smarter. We'll see what happens with the threes. Attack the basket. Create opportunities for your teammates. I think that solves a lot of the problems for this offense, just in terms of getting guys organized, being that connector. One question I have for you, though, is there's been this thing. Monty has talked about it. I think fans have talked about it. People are starting to catch on to this as an explanation for Payne's struggles this year, and they're not going away with as far as this part of it goes, which is that he doesn't have that floor spacing guy to play with. He doesn't have Dario Saric, who he had such great chemistry with. He doesn't have even Frank Kaminsky. He has McGee and he has Aiton. Do you think that that's affecting him? Because I don't really know if I fully believe that. Yeah, I don't think it's been like a problem too much, to be honest, because there's still other shooters around him. There's still Cam Johnson. There's still Landry Shamit, who is a better shooter than, you know, most two guard backup options. Um, But I just think that it comes down to, like you said earlier, the decisiveness and the having a plan when you start a possession, you know, if option A isn't there, what's option B, if option B isn't there, what's option C. And I just think that sometimes he just has an option A and an option A two or, you know, things like that. And 
it's just a little rough sometimes with him. I think that the the more we see the floater too, because the floater's been a really impactful part of his game this year. Um, I think that those high percentage shots and just having a plan can really help him have a good rest of the season, good home stretch. And if we're talking about pace, obviously he'll make a huge impact there. Um, he's, oh, yeah. he's a player who, uh, even when Chris was fully healthy, even when this team was rolling, he was a guy who the Suns relied upon to, 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 and it's not even just like, let's look at the numbers and see how many seconds they're using. It's also just, he is the pure distillation of like an energy guy, right? Like I've said this, I don't even know how many times to people that I, that I know who watch this team, media people at the games on this show, nobody Nobody, I like. I will maintain nobody gets the footprint center crowd going like Cameron Payne does when he starts to play really, really well. Like, and that is intangible. You can believe it or not, but it matters to me. And so I think that'll be a big part of it too. Where it's like, you know, some of these ruts where it's like, damn, a shot just won't fall. Like we we keep kind of running our heads into a wall here. Like Cam just pulls something out of nowhere, and that building gets rocking, and and it just lifts people up. So. I think that that will make a difference. As you said, he's shooting 56% on long mid-range shots this season, um, which is more in the category of the um, like pull-ups, but that's kind of outlier good. And um, it's kind of, you know, some of that is starting to make up a little bit for his three-point shooting, ideally. Um, that, that would be the hope, I think. He's only shooting 50% at the rim. So we'll see what his shot makeup looks like, what his efficiency looks like, everything else. But I think he'll be a big help Regardless, I want to close here. You mentioned before you got a Twitter following, who is the first person on Twitter that followed you where you were like, damn, that's pretty cool. I have a story and it's not anybody like super cool. I'm not trying to like embarrass you or say like, oh, I have a better one. I'm just, it's actually kind of a fun story. Cause I feel like the weird thing about Twitter is you'll log into some person and you don't even know who they are. They're just somebody. And then it's like, Zach Lowe follows, and you're like, what the hell happened here? So <laughs> please please tell us your story. I hope it's a good one. Um, I can't remember who the first one is, but as far as, like, ones that just made me, you know, step back and, you know, go, hey, I think, I think when Gerald Bourget at PHNX followed me, that was kind of a big thing because I think he was my first verified follow. Gerald and got that verification out of the clutches of I don't even know what. He's had that forever. <laughs> I mean, like, he worked at a real place. I'm not trying to take it away from him. But there's people who, like, straight up cannot buy a, a verification, it feels like, on Twitter, who are, like, real media Isn't Nikias still unverified? Yeah, Nikias Duncan of Basketball News. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't have one. It's weird. But uh, no, Gerald, okay. I think, so my story, and it's com- the reason I wanted to bring it up was really just to make fun of myself. Um, it was... I wanted so I was head over heels obsessed with and I don't know how many people even remember any of this but the Daily Dime Live was this thing that ESPN used to do back when like True Hoop and all of like the very bloggy era for ESPN oh, yeah. was in full swing and I didn't have cable growing up really um so I could really only watch Suns games. That was back when like half of the Suns games were on regular TV and half were on cable. So I could watch half of the Suns games, any national TV game on like ABC, and that was it. So every single night I would go on to Daily Dime Live 
and just it was just like a chat like straight up there wasn't any no other component to it i think it had like the scores on one side and then it was just a chat people would just geek out about the nba but zach harper hosted it mostly every night that was like his full-time job which is an insane job to have um and he it was like the biggest deal in the world when he would well because they moderated it so like if you didn't post anything worthwhile it wouldn't populate it it didn't just throw up everything that anybody said and when he would accept my like little dumb comments and put them up there I was like I would literally melt and then when he would respond it was like the biggest deal in my entire life I've never told him this also Aaron Edwards who I do the show with is actually friends with Zach so I feel like I shouldn't be drawing attention to any of this but anyway, point is, I eventually asked Zach, like some super, I'm sure it's still on my Twitter, like the most buttered up, like it would mean the world if you could follow me, like I want to do what you do someday, like blah, 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 <laughs> begging him to follow me. He still follows me to this day, um, but he, uh, he he did me the favor. Back when I had like 32 followers and I was in like high school and I was like, oh my God, this is the best day of my life. And um, then he went on to piss Suns fans off for calling Devin Booker a looter and a riot and whatever. But um, that's oh, my yeah. story. That's my story. Zach's a legend. I actually Zach's do a have legend. a story similar to that. It's not on Twitter at all, but it's something similar. See, so you hid the receipts this... better than me is what you're saying. <laughs> well, my receipts were over the phone. Okay. As opposed to... Okay, let's yeah. hear it. So, so back when I was like... 10 I think it was when the it was when the Thunder and Heat were in the finals together okay um I remember the the Phoenix local like rap radio station was like taking calls about you know who do you think is gonna win and old 10 year old little over eager Damon calls in and I'm saying all these crazy things I can't remember what I would say did you Probably get something five about- no, no, I was a, I was for the Thunder in that series. Oh man, I loved Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was, I think, my first favorite player growing up because I didn't get into basketball until later on. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just rambling on about Kevin Durant and oh, the Thunder are gonna win. And then I remember at the end of the call, they ask, "How old are you?" Because I guess I sounded like a kid because I was ten. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I'm ten. 